We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to tune in and listen to our September breakfast with COTM West Pastor Seth Swindoll. Let's tune in and listen to his message to the Brotherhood. Man, thank you guys. Um, What an honor to be here. What an honor to get the chance to speak to some great men and be a part of a great church doing some great stuff in our community. So we're going to take just a moment, we're going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into the message this morning. Father, thank you so much for allowing me to actually get out of bed this early. You know, Father, I only get up this early to go deer hunting. So these men are extremely important to you this morning. And Father, we just set this time aside to focus on you and to grow in who we are as men And we just dedicate the next few minutes to listening to what the Spirit of God would say to us. Help us grow in strength. Help us grow in wisdom. Help us grow in compassion and in love. Let us be better husbands, better fathers, better men that reflect your character and your image in the world. We honor you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Who's with me? Have you ever asked this question, stopped to look at all that's going on in life and wondered, who's really with me? Like at the end of the day, when I step into adversity, when I step into challenge, when I step into struggle, we all know that life can be difficult. And sometimes we need to stop and say, who's with me? For you run into a battle, it's important to know who's got your back. I mean, we all have surface relationships. We all have those people that say they're with us, but when adversity hits, they're nowhere to be found. They're they're not in it with us. They don't have our back. They don't, and I think as men, if we're really answering that question, who's with me, we've gotta be honest. We've gotta be real. It's probably the answer is really nobody. That to be a real man, to be a strong man, we have to learn to live and lead alone. I mean, very few people understand what it's like. Our our wives don't understand us. Our kids don't understand us. They don't get the challenge of what it is to be a man, to carry the weight of responsibility. Our friends really don't understand what we're going through. And I think real men, there's there's a great little illustration in the Bible of one of David's mighty men that he's in a battle, the enemy's coming, his friends are there, and it says as the enemy comes over the top of the hill, everybody else runs. They don't care about his house, they don't care about his family, they don't care about his bean field, and he's standing right in the middle. And it says that he by himself fights off the enemy, defeats him, destroys him. I think it's a great picture of what it is to be a real godly man. I looked up just some quotes from some great leadership sources, and here's some advice that they gave to men. Be alone. Eat alone. Take yourself on dates. Sleep alone. Take time to understand and love yourself. I like this one. Never tell your problems to anyone. 
80% of people don't care and the other 20% are glad you have them. I was, I was scrolling through some stuff last night and I've, I stumbled across some more and I just thought, these are just, man, this is just confirmation. This is focus on you. You've done enough for the ungrateful. Don't beg, don't chase, don't be needy. Privacy is a superpower. What they don't know, they can't ruin. And I just thought, wow. Now, I don't know if you feel any tension or any discomfort, because everything that I'm saying is not true. Matter of fact, one of the first things God says in the Bible is that it's not good for man to be alone. He creates this perfect world, puts, puts man in it. Perfection, He's, everything is good. The light is good. The trees are good. The animals are good. The one thing that's not good is the fact that man is in isolation because you and I were created for relationship. And we instinctively know that, but many of us don't do the work to cultivate real relationships. You see, the, the guy in the Bible, David's mighty man, that's the exception, that's not the rule. Are there moments in life where everybody walks away from us and everybody runs when adversity hits? It's possible. And we need to have the strength to stand and to continue to fight. But is it possible that that individual had not taken the time to cultivate significant God-centered relationships so that when the battle came, he knew who was with him. You see, here's something that I try to live by, is that God relationships are a necessity, not a luxury. And a lot of us treat relationships, especially with other men, as a luxury that we can't afford. We don't have the time, we're too busy, I've got too much going on here and there, but we've got to take time to cultivate God-centered relationships because God-centered relationships with other men, with friends, are a necessity, not a luxury. You can't afford not to have somebody in your corner. You can't afford to not have somebody with you. You were not created to be alone. You were not created to be in isolation and I want you to step into a life. And listen, you can't, I don't know how many people are in the room. You can't have a significant relationship with every person in this room. Not everyone in this room can know the real you, can know the good, the bad, the ugly, but somebody better. I've got friends, and, and this isn't 1,000 people. This isn't 500 people. This isn't 100 people. This isn't 10 people. It may be one person, but you need one God friend that can stand and say, I'm with you. No matter what we face, we're gonna face it together. I'm gonna be there when you're down. I'm gonna be there when you're up. I'm gonna be there when you succeed. I'm gonna be there when you fail. I'm gonna be in your corner no matter what, and you and I are gonna do life together, amen? I was um, reading through one of those painful chapters in the Bible. I don't know if you've read through it, but there's some great stuff in the Bible. There's some great stories. There's some thrillers. There's some drama. There's some soap operas. There's some bloody movie, uh, you know, war stuff. It's, it's incredible. 
But every once in a while, you'll come across one of these chapters that, honestly, I'd rather stab myself in the eye than, like, read it. It's a genealogy. It's a bunch of useless information. I'm just like, I don't know. Why do I have to read this? This doesn't make any sense. I don't care who this person is. I don't care what their kids' names were. Just give me something that helps me be a better me. And I was reading through, and I got to First Chronicles 27, and it was one of those chapters. And so I'm just kind of quickly skimming through it, but right in the middle of it, there was like this gold nugget. And it's talking about King David, and, and many of us are familiar with King David. We, we've heard the stories. He defeated Goliath. He was a great warrior. He was a great king. He had stupid moments. He, I, I love David because we get to see, maybe more than anybody, his ups, his downs, his real humanity. And as you read First Chronicles, or, yeah, Chronicles 27, it's talking about as David is a king, he's, he's at the height of his power. It's listing all of the people in his administration. It's going through the different military leaders. It's going through the different people that oversee different administrative parts of different things, like this guy oversees the cattle in this part of the country. This guy oversees the cattle in this part of the country. This guy oversees like wine, cheese, and crackers at this part. You know, it's just a, a long list of stuff that I really don't care about. And this military leader and this one, and this guy was a teacher, and this guy was important, and all of the most important people. And it gets down to verse 33, and right in the middle of this, military leader, administrator, governor, just all of these, the who's who of David's kingdom, it says this, it says, Hushai, the archite, was the king's friend. And when I read that, it just literally arrested me. Go back and read First Chronicles 27 and just get to that part. It's, it says this guy was the king's friend, and David more than anyone, understood the power and the necessity of having a friend in your life that's not impressed that you're the king. That, that, that really doesn't care about your title. That really doesn't care about how much money you've got in the bank. Really doesn't care about what your power is or how other people worship you or honor you or are such a fan of you. It just says David had a friend. Hushai the Archite was the king's friend. David could look back, not just in his head and knowledge-wise, but experientially, he knew the power of having God-centered friendships because it was a God-centered relationship when he was 14, 15, 16 years old that a person led by God stepped into his life and said, I can see potential on the inside of you that your dad can't see, that your brothers can't see, that David probably you struggle at times to see. And there was a friend that stepped into his life and cultivated a relationship and said, I see something on the inside of you and my job and my part of what I'm here for in this relationship is to remind you of who you were created to be, to remind you of who you can be. In, in the moments of struggle, in the moments of doubt, I'm gonna come alongside you and remember and help you remember your potential that you can be a better husband, that you can be a better father, that God will work in you. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your failures. I'm going to remind you, David, of who you can be. And Samuel stepped into David's life and was a source of potential. And then I love reading about David and Jonathan. It says that they were closer than brothers. They had a significant relationship and they loved each other. They had a covenant with each other. They were for each other. And, and the thing about 
Jonathan is that he could see danger in David's life that sometimes David struggled to see. And Jonathan would come to him and say, hey, I need you to know dad's planning something. Jonathan's dad was, was Saul the king. He was threatened by David. He was intimidated by, by David and had active plans, had actively tried to assassinate David. So David's running for his life and Jonathan would see the danger coming and say, hey, dad's planning something. I overheard something. I saw this. Don't go to this party. It's a trap. Don't go here. Hey, hey, pay attention to this. And a friend stepped into his life and was helping him see danger and traps and snares and things that would destroy him and take him out. And it was a friend that stepped in and helped him see what he couldn't see. There, there was a guy named Joab, and if, if you've read much about Joab, it amazes me the relationship that these two guys had. Joab was a little fiery sucker. He was, he was confrontational. He was, he was a military leader, but he and the king had this significant relationship where Joab could walk into the king's most intimate place and say some things that nobody else could say. There was one point where David's son, the king, his son had overthrown him, had pushed him out, Absalom. He's, over, he's trying to assassinate his father. Joab gets the military together and goes and fights Absalom. And David says, the one thing is don't kill my son. Don't die. Like, defeat him, put him in, whatever, but just don't kill him. You know what Joab does? He catches Absalom caught up in a tree and just stabs him, kills him, takes him out. And when David hears that his son's been, been, been put to death, he is brokenhearted. The Bible says that David's mourning, he's crying, just like probably any father would. Joab kicks down the door, walks in and says, what are you doing? You, you are mourning over someone that was trying to kill you. And you've got men out here that were willing to lay down their life and put their life on the line. It, it was possible that they didn't come home to see their wives tonight. It was possible that they didn't come home to see their, they put their life on the line, and you are mourning over your enemies, and you're taking your friends for granted. He said, you need to get up, pull yourself together, and you need to go out there, and you need to express some gratitude to the men that were willing to put their life on the line. And Joab had this relationship where he could confront the king over his wrong perspectives. You're looking at this all wrong. You're seeing this from a, from, I, I get that you're a dad, but, but you need to stop and pull yourself together. And they had cultivated that relationship where Joab could say something to David that nobody else could say. There was a guy named Nathan who stepped into David's life and said, David, what you've done is sin. You've taken another man's wife. You've put your friend to death, and it's sin. And they'd cultivated the relationship where Nathan could step in. These are some of the significant things that David understood. If it wasn't for Samuel, if it wasn't for Jonathan, if it wasn't for Joab, if it wasn't for Nathan, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in today. I wouldn't be the husband that I am today. I wouldn't be the father. I need some men that'll come around me and have permission to say the things to me that no one else can say. Come on, for one claps, we all clap. We gotta have friends like this, and friends like this don't happen overnight. It's not like we're gonna put names in a jar and, and let you draw out your best friend that now all of this stuff happens. 
No, it's, it's work. It's time. It's, it's testing the relationship. It's, it's allowing them to come just a little bit closer and know something that maybe they didn't know before and see how they handle that privilege of stepping in to a place of intimacy with me. It, it's, it's opening up and being vulnerable and testing. It, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. I've got four of these individuals in my life, and, and we've been cultivating this type of relationship for over 10 years. It takes time. It takes time to trust someone. It takes time to let somebody in. It takes time to be the kind of friend that they know you can be trusted, that you can hear the stuff about them that nobody knows, and it's a safe place. I, I just wrote down some things as we're talking about <clears throat> friends that we all need a God-centered friend and, and just some things that you need to think about. Because God friends are a necessity, not a luxury. You need God friends who are not intimidated by you, who are not impressed by you. Maybe in, in your world, you walk into a room and everybody is a little bit intimidated because now you're in there and it feels good. It, it makes us feel like maybe a stronger, more respected man. But you need someone that's not intimidated by you that can look you in the eyes and say the things to you nobody else can say. David continually kept people around him that weren't impressed with him, that could be honest with him because there were so many other people that needed his position, needed his power, needed his influence, needed to be in the good graces of the king. Their promotion depended on it. Their paycheck depended on it. And they needed David to respect them, and so they would do whatever. They would say whatever. But David knew, if I'm gonna be the man God's created me to be, I need a man in my life that's not intimidated by me, isn't impressed by me, and can look me in the eyes and say the difficult things. And I'm trying to continually keep people in my life that aren't impressed with me, aren't intimidated by me. The second thing is you need a God friend who doesn't need anything from you. Their success is not tied to your success. Their, their paycheck's not tied to yours. They're, they're, they don't need anything from you. I, I've seen so many people, I call them relational parasites. They, they cling to this person and they suck them dry. And as soon as as that person stops meeting this person's needs, they detach and they find some other sucker that they can suck the life out of them. And they attach to them, they're like a freaking tick. And it's, you, it's okay, you guys aren't from the country. Um, <laughs> and they just suck the life out of you. They're needy people. They need you to stroke them. They, man, we gotta have people that don't need anything from us that can just step into our world and just be our friend and just love us. We need God friends that will give you permission to be a flawed human. I think one of the things in relationships is we're continually trying to pretend we're better than we actually are. We don't have the real opportunity to be 100% real and honest because there's an expectation that you have of me that I've got to live up to. And I'm afraid if I don't live up to that expectation, I'm gonna disappoint you. It's gonna damage our relationship 
And there's something so powerful when I've got a human being that allows me to be human, that allows me to be flawed, that allows me to be imperfect, that gives me the permission to say some stupid things at once, at at one time or another, gives me the permission to just, you know what? I struggle with this. I'm tempted by this. Here's my weakness. Here's where I get angry. Here's my trigger. Here's what sets me off. Man, you know, last night, me and my wife didn't sleep in the same bed. This happened. She said this. She did this. I I did this. I responded. You know what? I punched a hole in the wall last night. We need somebody that we can be real. We can be human. We can be honest. We can express and just be who we are and not have to have this wall up to protect ourselves from people really knowing who we are. You need a friend that'll give you permission to be a flawed human. You need a friend that you give them permission to be a flawed human. Everything that I'm saying is two-way. You need a friend like this, and you need to be a friend to someone like this. We need friends that can be brutally honest with us, that can tell us the hard things, that can kick down the door of our heart and say, man, what you said, what you did, how you treated your wife, what you did in that conversation, that was wrong. You, you need to go back and you need to apologize. You, you, hey, you need to rethink that. You're looking at this from the wrong perspective. We need someone that can be brutally honest. We need someone like Samuel that can see and call out our potential. You're better than this. You're more than this. God created you for something significant. You're stronger than this. You're better than this. They can see and call out that potential. We need someone who will see the danger in our lives that we don't see. There's all the times with with my, my friends we're talking through different scenarios and different things and we just... It's, it's such an incredible relationship where we can be brutally honest. We can share our fears. We can share our doubts. We can share our concerns. And they're all the time saying, hey, pay attention to this. W- watch this. You're, you're, you're stepping into this conversation. Hey, I was talking to, with a friend the other day, and he was like, man, I'm stepping into this conversation. I said, hey, there's, there's something you need to pay attention. Don't meet with that person alone. Don't, don't step into that conversation without someone there that can bring accountability, can bring a third perspective, can, can bring some safety for you and this other person. Don't, I saw something he couldn't see and I had the freedom and the relationships. Hey, just, just a heads up, just, you need people in your life that can do that. They can see things sometimes you can't see because as men, as humans, we have blind spots and we can't see everything. We need someone that'll help confront the wrong perspectives in our life. We need someone that'll help confront the sin in our life. God, friends are a necessity, not a luxury. You need, if you don't, listen, if you've got a friend like this, you need to value it. You need to text them today and say, man, thank you for being my friend. Thank you for letting me be human. Thank you for letting me be flawed. Thank you for letting me be real. Thank you for being a safe place where I can bring my concerns, where I can bring my doubts, where I can bring my sin. Thank you for standing with me. Thank you for being with me when life's good and for celebrating me when there's success. And thank you for being with me when there's failure and I'm struggling and I don't know where I'm gonna go. Thank you for being there to pull me out of the pit. Thank you for standing with me. Thank you for being a faithful God friend. If you have that, you need to cherish that. You need to maintain that. You need to cultivate that. You need to strengthen that. If you don't have that, you need to build that. You need to take the time 
and say, God, would you bring this kind of friend into my life? Again, it's, it's not going to be 100 people. It's not going to be 10 people. It may not be five people. But you need somebody who's with you, somebody who loves you, someone that's there, that's that kind of friend. We need God friends. When, when I stepped into these relationships, it, it was transformative in my life. I went from being isolated. I went from being a person that thought nobody understands me. I went from being a person that was alone, that was trying to solve every problem in and of myself. So now I've got a safe place, and it was transforming to step into these relationships. To, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary to let the guard down, to pick up your phone and to call someone and say, hey, I, just, I want you to know I struggle with this. I, I want you to know this about me. I, I, it's a scary thing. It's an uncomfortable thing. Even after cultivating 10 years of relationship, it's still hard to pick up the phone and be that real and to be that honest. And to be, there's always the thought in the back of my mind, is this the point they walk away? Is this, and, and every time there's always, man, thank you for being honest. Man, I love you. I love our relationship. They'll, they'll, they'll laugh. They'll encourage. They'll challenge. They'll confront. They'll do what needs to be done because we're in a committed, godly-centered relationship where we can help each other be better. The Bible says this, and you've heard it probably in this context a ton, iron sharpens iron. You need some iron in your life. You need some men in your life. You need some God-centered friends. And listen, you don't have to spend 40 hours a week with them. The, the guys that I have in my life, one lives in Michigan, one lives in Mississippi, one lives locally here in Tulsa, and another one in a different part of the state. We haven't been together in the same room in almost a year and a half, but we talk to each other almost daily. We text, we call, and there's just this constant communication. There's this constant presence where we're just present in each other's lives. If you don't have that, you need to cultivate that because God friends are a necessity, not a luxury. Father, today, we thank you for the people that you've brought into our lives that can love us for us, that can help us be a better version of who we are and who we were created to be. I pray that today for the men in the room that have done the work and have paid the price and have taken the risk to cultivate this type of relationship, that God, they would just feel a sense of gratitude and encouragement and challenge to continue to go deeper in these relationships and continue to cultivate God-centered friendships. For those of us in the room, God, that don't have this, I pray that there'd be conviction from the Holy Spirit today that would challenge us and would look at us and say, it's not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be in isolation. You need a friend. He's someone that'll listen to you. Would you lead us in this, God? Would you open the door? Would you bring the men into our life that we can have this type of relationship with, that we can develop and cultivate this type of brotherhood to where we can stand with each other, we can encourage each other, we can challenge each other? Would you give us the wisdom on where to place our trust and where to make that investment? 
Would you bring the right men into our lives so that we could have the God relationships we so desperately need? People that'll see our potential, people that'll call out our sin, people that'll challenge us. God, we're so grateful that we don't have to do life alone. We're so grateful that you're faithful to be with us, to never leave us or never forsake us. So just in this moment, a couple of, couple of things I wanna, if you're just here and you're saying, man, I don't have that friend. Nobody's looking around. We're not taking inventory. We're not secretly signing you up for a group today. But I want you to acknowledge this and just as a statement of faith to say, I don't have this, but I want this. God, would you bring this into my life? Nobody's looking around, but would you just, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna say a quick prayer for you. Would you just slip your hand up and say, hey, that's me. Man, thank you. Wow. Wow, thank you guys. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your sincerity. God, you see these hands and you see these hearts more importantly. There's a, there's a desire. There's a, there's a need for this friendship. And so God, I just stand with them as they've acknowledged, I don't have this, I want this. God, would you bring this? I just believe that even over the next week, over the next month, there's gonna be people step in to your life. And I would just say, pay attention to the God opportunities to develop God friendships. People will come into your life in the most random ways, but it's very possible that it's God bringing them into your life. Don't, don't, don't overlook the people that God's bringing. Sometimes we want it to be a certain person or a certain, listen, God knows who you need. God knows what you need and when you need it, and he'll bring the right people into your life. And I just pray, God, that when that happens, there'd be something on the inside of them that says, this is a God friend. This is a gift from you, God. And so we just honor you today and thank you for that. The second thing is, if you're in the room and you don't have a friendship with Jesus, I love that the, the word tells us that Jesus is a friend, He's a friend to us. He was called a friend of sinners, that he stepped into our life and he was a person that could be trusted. And maybe you've never given your life to Christ. You've never stepped into that relationship. That would be the first thing that would be so miraculous and so transformative and so life-changing for you is a step into a relationship with Jesus where you allow him to be the Lord and the leader of your life. If you're here today, And you're saying, man, there's something in me. I don't understand everything about this, but I can tell, I know there's something in me that says this is my moment. This is a significant moment for me. And that's something I wanna do is step in to a relationship with Jesus. If you wanna give your heart to Christ, would you just slip your hand up? Just give you a few seconds. I wanna make sure we give every man a chance to do that. Incredible. Well, Father, you see every man in this room. You know the condition of our heart. You know what's going on in our life. And I thank you that today, as we stand in this place, we say we are believers. We have committed. We have surrendered our life to Christ. And God, I thank you that you're going to be faithful to lead us. Give us connections with men.
who need a deeper relationship with you. Let us, as we walk into our homes, as we walk into our businesses, as we walk into every area of life where we step into, can we be a reflection of you and your character? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit and lead and guide us by the Spirit of God so that we can be all that you've created us to be and we can do all that you've created us to do? God, we honor you today. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen.